The following program has been furnished and paid for by Kevin Seven Financial Services, and KSCV is not responsible for its content or the products or services offered. Welcome to Your Finances with Kevin Seven here on KSCV, a show about finance and retirement planning. And now, here's your host, Kevin Coogley. Hello, all, and welcome to the show. This is Your Finances, so it is meant to be about you. You can call into our phone number here at KSEV 700 AM, 281 558 5738. And that, by the way, is 281-558-KSEV. And the name of my firm is, ironically, Kevin Seven. We don't have CPA John Henry in the studio with us, but we do have Gary Knight here who will guide us and ask some questions, and we will go from there. So, yeah, feel free again to call in anytime during the broadcast, 281 281- Five five eight five seven three eight. And if they're if they're shy, some people just don't like to call up. I know I understand that. There's a number that Kevin just gave me. I think he did. Yeah. What was, what was that number? It's eight seven seven Kevin's up. seven. Now Kevin's seven. It's you can go to the website also. It's Kevin K E V I N S and the number seven dot com. And there's a phone number for people if they'd like to speak one-on-one, and we can get you booked on the calendar, 877-KEVINS-7, again, K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7. There's not a long wait. They get back. You get back to them pretty quick, right? Oh, yeah. We can schedule an appointment usually within the week. All right. We already know what Kevin 7 means. Uh, how about helping me with a 401k? Can you yeah. help me? Well, uh, so, yeah, that's part of Kevin 7. It's a, part, a whole full-blown financial planning firm, and then we also do investments to help people achieve their goals. So the foundation of the Kevin Seven firm is financial planning, and with that, obviously, it's a, a big part of that is retirement planning, and a retirement account is a, a 401k, yeah. So we, we use a lot of numbers out there in the industry, unfortunately, like a 401k or a 403b these are two types of retirement plans that allow you to contribute without even thinking about it. You can set it on uh, automatic autopilot and you can contribute. We recommend minimum of 15% that people sign up from day one whenever they start with a new employer and do the 401k plan. So if they, if they put money in, uh, expect it to be gone for a little bit, right? That's right. This is meant to be long-term money, and the, I, the 401k is actually an IRS code, right? So the, the IRS created this so that people would fund their own retirement. So it's called technically a defined contribution plan. That's what a 401k plan is because the employee is contributing to their own retirement plan, and the government gives them two huge benefits. You get an immediate tax deduction on it. So it's not like when payroll, they send the money to your checking account, they take out whatever you're withholding, right? So they could take out 25, 30% when it goes from your paycheck to the bank account when they, if you got direct deposit, right? However, if you contribute directly into the 401k plan, a dollar doesn't become 75 cents as it would going into your checking account. A dollar stays a dollar, and that money then can grow. So that's the first benefit, the immediate tax deduction. You don't have to pay taxes on that money when it goes in. And the second benefit is continued tax deferred growth. And with that, you can do that up until the age of 59 and a half in most cases. Now, so you're saying a savings account really, it's okay to have, but it's... Yes. But it's good to put money, you know, in, in, in the position if you can afford to. Yep. And what, what is the minimum amount that you can put in? Well, you know, it just depends. You can theoretically put in 1% into your 401k account and automatic 
contribution, right? And that's why we try to encourage people to get up 15%. And usually, most of the time, people, you know, they don't, uh, they don't even miss it. But there again, it goes back to Dave Ramsey's baby steps. There's a few things that you need to do. And this is baby step number four that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So don't want to miss out on these first baby steps. Number four. Yeah, this is baby step number four. The first baby step is saving $1,000 for your emergency fund, right? So Mm -hmm. people should have at least $1,000. That's the first baby step that will cover unexpected life events that you don't plan for. Right. Right. And then so after that, you have baby step number two, which is pay off all your debt except the house. And what we're talking about is our credit card debts. So big believer in not paying credit card debt. Uh, So you don't want to have credit card debt if possible, because usually they're extraordinarily high interest rates. So that's baby step number two. Get those credit cards paid off. And Ramsey's pretty dogmatic about this, too. He ripped all of his up, and he encourages everybody else to do that. And then he does the uh, only uses a debit card. And he has a process. They, They use a debt snowball to try to wipe out people's debt. He's a big believer in 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 doing that and so am i for the most part and for the majority of the population they they should wipe out that credit card debt debit card is good i i agree with that yeah and it's actually a lot of people don't realize that you have the vendor whoever you're paying with 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 your credit card they're having to pay a three percent fee oh yeah so like there's a lot of people who say well i want to keep my credit card because i'm getting two percent cash back and sometimes i get five percent cash back but guess what your the vendor is paying three percent to the credit card company usually so that not a good thing if if you can minimize these banking transactions it's better and that's what using a debit card does right yeah, I'm, I'm by the telephone, folks. So if you want to call in, 281-558-5738. That's 281-558-KSEV. Yeah, cut up those credit cards and keep the debit card. That's right. And then when you come to that's we just uh, finished off baby step number two. Then you're finished with the, you know, you've got the $1,000, baby step number one. You Baby step number two, you pay off all the that debt on your credit card. The third baby step is you put three to six months worth of expenses in a fully funded emergency fund. Okay. And so that allows you for some nice slush fund in case, say, the air conditioning goes out. Man, you need to have an air conditioner working this time of year. Right, that, right. that would go to that three to six month, your three to six month savings, you know, you pay off your air conditioner, right? Or get a new air conditioner if something like that happens. And then you come to the fourth baby step, which is investing 15% of your household income into a retirement account. And this is at the point where it's, it's good to start looking at working with a financial advisor. Once you're at baby step number four, <clears throat> you've completed, you've gone through and you've invested in your retirement accounts, and then you start to accumulate some wealth, it's good to have uh, a financial advisor take a look at your assets at that point, <clears throat> right? But we don't we don't want to uh, skip out on those first three baby steps because that's very important. Okay, and it is very important. Uh, baby steps, you know, I like I like uh, listening to Ramsey too. He's he's got some good information when he talks. You should check him out if you haven't. We used to carry him a long time ago for a while, but I don't know what happened there. That's yeah. another story for another day. Uh, so anything else on the 401k? Can we keep adding as we go along? You can keep adding. And oftentimes, you know, employers will match up to a certain percentage. So say, now this is a really big deal. If somebody, I've seen it unfortunately before when somebody comes in the office and they have, uh, their employer is matching and they don't even have any contribution. So they're not, they're, they're, they're essentially throwing away money. If, if, if your employer has a 3% match, you want to do at least 3% because they're giving you, if they're doing 100% uh, 
dollar for dollar up to 3%, you got to at least do 3% or you're just, you know, you're putting money down the toilet, in other words. So that, it's, a, it's a good incentivization for people to grow their money tax-deferred in a retirement account and not just have to count on Social Security, right? right. And pension plans are the same. Unfortunately, we don't see those as much as we used to. But if you're fortunate enough to have a defined benefit plan, that's just the employer putting the money in there for you. And then they have formulas that will show you what kind of an outcome that you'll have at your retirement date with a pension plan or a defined benefit plan. They'll either pay you lump sum whenever you retire or they they will pay you an option, many different options, in fact, based on your life expectancy, maybe based on a joint life expectancy. That's uh, Kevin Seven. I'm Gary Knight. You can reach us here at 281-558-5738, 281-558-KSEV. You can call anytime if you have a question or comment or whatever it may be. We're here, and I'm happy. I'm right next to the telephone to uh, take your call. All right, anything on the 401k? I got another question if, if we want to move on. Well, there's a lot of people that hold Exxon Mobil. A lot of our listeners hold Exxon. They just had a downward revision on earnings estimates. But again, you know, stocks go up and down as long as you're in it for the long term. And we don't recommend anybody really going into stocks unless they can set that money aside for a minimum of, you know, three to five years, in most cases, even five years, right? That's even better that they set their money so they can absorb the bumps in the road because there are bumps in the road. In particular, people saw a lot of bumps last year, potentially. Not everybody saw bumps last year, but the S&P 500, which we often talk about on the program, it uh, it went down last year. So, but again, there's things that we can do as financial advisors that will tactically minimize these bumps in the road, right? But the overall strategy of investing in stocks, you're doing it for the long term, you're doing it because it's it's the best investment choice out there that I'm aware of. Um, obviously, there, there there's maybe a hedge fund out there that has had fantastic results in the past that doesn't invest mainly in stocks. But over for the, for the general population, the S and P five hundred and the U S stock market is is the way to go. So when uh, let's see, so when interest rates go up, bonds go down, and vice versa. That's right. Yeah, is we, it? It's always that way, right? Yeah, it's always that way. Hmm. And the, as an example, the ten year Treasury has come up a lot this year. I'm talking about the ten year Treasury yield. So that means the, the reason that the yield went up and it closed Friday at 4.07%, and it was down, let's see, I'll pull it up here on my chart, within the last five days, it was down at 3.8%. So mm. the, the, the yield went up, and it's now over 4%, right? So right. that means that people were selling off of bonds and that makes the price go down right so the price of the bonds went down and the yield went up and it's uh it's interesting because it's towards the beginning of the year uh you had the bonds the 10-year treasury this is one of the uh, most important bonds that uh, insurance companies look at right they have a general account insurance companies do and they usually give you a better value of your annuity product based on the 10-year treasury. And it's come up significantly. In fact, looking back in October of last year, it was at 4.1%. And now it's at 4.07%. And it's come up a lot here in just the last five business days. So not only, you know, we talked about the price of bonds and a lot of people – Look at the ten-year Treasury. Whenever that goes up, they think that it's expectation that the U.S. stock market will go down because it becomes more expensive for companies to borrow. Right. So there's somewhat of an inverse relationship there with stocks as well. So ten-year Treasury is pretty important for people to keep an eye on 
when investing. And right now it's sitting at uh, 4.07. Is it going to keep going up? Slowly? It could. It could. Yeah, it's it's not at its highest point of what it was back here. Is it, man, it looks like October 16th, it was at 4.22%. And it's really hard to gauge interest rates, right? Technical analysis looks at – we have these technical analysts that look at this, and they, they try – They again, nobody can know the future, but everybody can give an opinion, right? And you want to find the people who have a track record of making the best opinion because analysis does matter when looking at these things. So – but whether it goes up or down, somebody's always making money in the markets. So typically, whenever you see raising of interest rates like that, insurance companies will give better type of products to uh, their customers in the form of an annuity, right? So, and we can talk about a little bit about annuities if you like. Yeah, we're gonna let's take a quick break here. You're listening to Your Finances with Kevin Seven. Numbers two eight one. Five five eight five seven three eight. We'll be right back. Having a hard time knowing what kind of income you may expect in retirement? Kevin Seven is a financial planning firm. We take you from financial confusion to financial confidence. A financial plan takes into account what you're making, spending, and saving, and forecasts that into the future. Call us at 877-KEVIN-7. That's 877-538-4677. We can schedule an appointment for you via Zoom, phone, or even in person. Or visit us on our website at kevin7.com, K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7.com. Folks, on the Chris Alcedo Show, we unveiled the brand spanking new campaign song for Beijing Biden's White House. What do you think? How many Democrat voters in Houston will look at cocaine being found at the White House as a resume enhancement? We'll continue our discussion on the Democrats' great cocaine cover-up on the next Chris Salcedo Show. See you at 7 o'clock after Lance on AM 700 KSEV, the voice of Texas. Phone lines are open now. Call 281-558-5738. That's 281-558-KSEV. Homegrown country girl. Well, welcome back. Yes, lucky as a seven. There you go, on a Tennessee Saturday night. There you go. They call that a coincidence, right? Yeah, that's a coincidence. We're, we're here on KSEV, KSEV, 700 AM. The mm-hmm. name of the firm is Kevins7.com, K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7.com. How did you get that? Was that a lucky thing that uh, you got it like that? Some things are hard to get. I've tried a few things over the years. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's rhymes. It's catchy. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. When I was a kid growing up, uh, my brother called me Bubba, and they tried to get my parents tried to get him to say Kevin, uh-huh. and he wouldn't say. He said Bubba, and so they said, "Well, say seven. And he's like, mm, mm. So he wouldn't say seven. He wouldn't say eleven. So they they were laughing, and I mean, it's a funny story until today. But that's so. But Kevin Seven is uh, originally it, it, I started it as a way of diversifying here on Sunday. We, you know, we'll give out a scripture every once in a while here and there, and this comes out of the book of Ecclesiastes and talks about diversification. It's the first time I think about it that it talks about it in the Bible, but you have seven different stocks that you go into, and it's this seven keeps reoccurring. So 
It's KSEV 700 AM. Dave Ramsey has seven baby steps within a financial plan. There are seven different modules that we have, including investment, retirement, insurance, education, tax, estate. So these are different numbers. The, the number seven keeps calling coming up. It's, uh, and it's, it's been a fantastic way to invest. Warren Buffett says that uh, you should always have the conviction to invest at least 10% of your money into an investment or a stock. Or, you know, you, you don't have that conviction, you probably shouldn't do it. So, so he says 10%. With a seven diversification, if you had 100000 right, and you diversify it into seven, you're going to have a little over 14000 So it's worked really good. The big problem we always see, people are over-diversified in mutual funds. They have over 25 stocks in a mutual fund. Mm. And then they usually, I've seen some ridiculous statements out there. They have 20 to 50 different mutual funds. What's a good number? Seven. I don't know. That's good. That's a good one. Uh, So there's certain things that you cannot do inside of a 401k. Like you, unfortunately, you can't go into individual stocks. Like this is its own quasi kind of mutual fund. It's not sold by prospectus, but whenever I sit down with somebody and they look at having stock exposure, we'll put them into the seven stocks. And there's some benefits in that because they are not over diversified. They don't have tax consequences if it's in a non-retirement account. Mutual funds will shoot off all kinds of capital gains and dividends. So you have taxation that could be bad inside of a mutual fund. And the cost basis is, is not true to your own account. Let me give you an example of that. We're talking about mutual funds. And the problematic part of it in a non-retirement account, when a mutual fund manager, say they bought Microsoft 20 years ago, and they decided to sell it today, right? There's going to be a very low cost basis. That the cost basis is how much that mutual fund manager bought that stock for 20 years ago. So say, this is just an example, right? Say it's uh, 10 cents on the dollar. So they sell that stock. There's going to be 90% of that will be sent out as a capital gain to all of the mutual fund holders. So not very fair for somebody who just bought into a mutual fund last week that gets a capital gain distribution sent to them from a money manager that's been holding it. So that can be very problematic in a non-retirement account, right? So mutual funds, they can over-diversify, taxable. They can be expensive, too. A lot of people don't realize that the average mutual fund expense in a retirement account is 4.7 and 3% in a non-retirement account. So uh, there's, they're not like it's, it's, these are all the fees that are added up within a mutual fund. It's more than the expense ratio. There's advertising costs and other things that are put into a mutual fund total cost, right? Right. So, and then they can be market inefficient. You cannot buy or sell a mutual fund, let's say an open-ended mutual funds. Those are the ones that end in an X. Usually you'll see these in your 401k plan. You cannot sell that during the middle of the market. So a lot of of advantage, if somebody wanted to sell something in the middle of the market or buy something in the middle of the market, they get the true market price at the time they buy or sell it. With an open-ended mutual fund that ends in an X, that means, and these are most mutual funds that we see that are in a retirement plan or a non-retirement account even, if it ends in an X, you're you're getting the closing day price whenever you sell it. It looks good, right? Not at, no, not if it's if you could sell it. It'd be better if you could sell it higher, if if it's a higher price during the middle of the day, and then it closes at a lower price. But you sold your mutual fund in the middle of the day, you get the closing day price, and it's lower. Then that's not a good thing. You want the higher price whenever you execute your trade. So th- th- those are fourth over diversification tax issues potentially in a non retirement account. They can be expensive, and then they are. Uh, market inefficient if it's an open-ended mutual fund, which is different than a closed-ended mutual fund, by the way. To you, go ahead. Yeah, a closed-ended mutual fund is something called an ETF, and you can sell those in the middle of the day. 
so and they have sectors. We can talk about market sectors too, if if uh, you have a question on that, because you'll see these now in the form of mutual funds in your retirement plan. We're at two eight one five five eight five seven three eight two eight one five five eight KSEV. Uh, you're listening to your finance with Kevin Seven. Did we talk about uh, allocating uh, and assets and stuff? Yeah. I thought we did. Did we finish with that? Yeah, I, and it's a never-ending subject, really. I, I know we it was. Take it. We, we, we want to and to refresh everybody's memory as well. Um, you know, we can talk about structured notes in a moment, too. I always want to teach something new to people. So the, the S&P 500, right, uh, is the stock allocation that a lot of people use inside of their retirement accounts. We can talk a little bit about that. Those are 500 of the largest companies in America. They're not equally weighted, right? So the S&P 500 actually, it's up over 14%. But if you took out just the tech sector, which the tech sector makes up 30% of the S&P 500. Wow. So we're talking about it's, you know, not equally, equally weighted. It's way overweighted. Between oh, on the tech sector because that's thirty percent of the S and P five hundred, and so you have the other three sectors behind it combined aren't even that large. If you took out the tech sector, you would only be up seven percent with the S and P five hundred for the year. And you know, right now for the year, you've had a really strong run. Actually, I just pulled it up. It's um, it is. Uh, 12.94% year-to-date for the S&P 500. Well, you heard him live just now, because we're live. We're live, and we're taking calls right now. Somebody just called and hung up. You can call back, uh, 281-558-5738, 281-558-KSEV. Uh, and we're talking to uh, Kevin Seven and uh, your finances, and uh, we want you to give him a call. Yeah. Feel free to call in with any question that you have, and... We can take it live here on the air. Be more than happy. We've got plenty of room. We, we, can. we were talking about 401Ks, talking about uh, allocation assets. Uh, how about uh, who do taxes and penalties apply to all of this? Yes, you got to be very careful, and mm -hmm. that's, again, why I think that people should have a financial advisor. There's independent studies that are done by the firm Russell. Uh, they say that having a financial advisor, it's, it creates a value of over 5% per year. There's other financial advisors here on KSEV that have radio shows that are fantastic. And whether you, you go with Kevin Seven or somebody else on KSEV, I think it's important that everybody gets with a financial advisor so that they don't make those taxable mistakes or, or those penalties. And these tax laws change all the time. We just had a big one last year. It was called the Secure Act 2.0. And so people should, uh, you know, take the time, get a second opinion. If you, even if you've done it yourself for a while, it's always good to have another set of eyes on. So just to make sure that you don't make any mistakes, right? So right. Now, you're, you're a financial uh, a planner or yes. financial advisor, too? Yes, financial well. planner and financial now, advisor. When so, you, when you got into this, where did you start? Ground level and move up? Is there a ground level in this type of work? Yeah, Mother Mother Merrill, they call it Merrill Lynch. They have a fantastic training program. Back in the day, I started in '97. Uh, one of the other financial advisors that speaks on KSEV started there, and it it was a great training program. Teaches people how to, uh, you know, the core of everything that we did was financial planning. So it's so that you're investing based on a process and you're not doing it just to be doing it. And it's done really well over my career to help people through the financial planning process. And, but no, let's not forget though, investing delivers results. So Whenever people have fantastic investment results, it makes their financial plan look a heck of a lot better than otherwise. And people who have financial advisors over a 14-year period will have 
on average, twice as much money because they've had somebody to help guide them through the storms. The biggest problem that individual investors have is that they get nervous and then they get out of the market at the wrong time. You might know the mantra, you should buy low and sell high, right? Everybody should buy low and sell high, but exactly in behavioral investing, the exact opposites happens. And we can see that by mutual fund inflows and outflows. Usually the biggest amount of outflows of a mutual fund happen when the mutual fund is doing awful. And the greatest inflow or new cash people buying into a mutual fund is when the mutual fund is doing fantastic. So behaviorally, that is bad. Uh, It goes against the logic. But people have emotion, right? And so that's why we always stress here on Your Finances with Kevin Seven that people over a long period of time should be very positive and they should be patient, right, with the, the downturns or the bumps in the road. Because uh, it's, something's going to turn around eventually, right? Yeah, it'll, it's, you, you know, past performance doesn't guarantee future results, and you always hear that. You've got to look at the, the, the performance, though, of the different asset classes to find out which way is it that you should go when you're making an investment decision. So uh, you want to go with somebody who's got a track record, really good judgment ability, and look at their results because the investment results do drive a financial plan. And a financial plan is all about looking at what you're making, what you're saving, what you're spending, what you currently have, forecast that into the future and seeing what kind of a cash flow or income that you can have in retirement. You want, you, really, there's two kinds of expenses in retirement. You have your essential payments that you got to have, right? Yeah. Your essential bills. And then on top of that, you have the discretionary, you know, just like a icing on the cake or money that you could set aside for vacations, charity, whatever it may be. But you want to make sure that those essential payments are typically paid to you in something that's guaranteed. So Social Security is guaranteed, right? Um, Unfortunately, pension plans aren't around as much as I said earlier, but the pension plans, they have a payment, they pay that out, they're guaranteed, right? Now we can, we, we, before the break, we were going to talk about annuities. And annuity is a way that an insurance company form, can form somewhat of a private pension for somebody. They can guarantee income payments. So it's good to have whenever you're looking at, when taking into account in, of inflation in the future, you want to have those essential payments covered, if possible, by guaranteed income like Social Security, like your pension plan, or like a an annuity payment that's guaranteed by an insurance company. It's kind of like a privatized annuity, right? So there are different kinds of annuities. You have a an annuity that's an immediate annuity. And again, we were speaking about the 10-year treasury. As that 10-year treasury goes up, and it's going up right now, the insurance companies will pass along higher benefits to individual customers. So as an example, a fixed annuity will pay a fixed amount. If the 10-year treasury treasury were lower, it would pay 3% maybe. If it is higher, it could pay 5 or 6%, right, per year. So there are different ways that people can construct their retirement based on a financial plan, which will allow them to receive the income to meet those essential payments. And so you have an annuity only means, by the way, annual. So something is happening on an annual basis. And it started back in Rome, actually, as the uh, Roman soldiers would go out and Caesar would go put a, uh, a an annuity together for the Roman soldier if he died while he was out in battle, right? So you can put your money into an annuity that's formed by an insurance company, and it will pay you if you 
make an immediate, there's a, something called an immediate annuity, and they can take your money and just start paying you income for the rest of your life, guaranteed until the day you die. So if you go into that scenario, you want to make sure you got your essential payments. And if you have a higher longevity, meaning if your parents or your grandparents live to be 90 or 100, you're going to be wanting to probably look at that as an option because the insurance company, if you have a lot longer longevity and parents live to be over 90, then oh, yeah. you're going to make you're going to make out pretty well because they're they have to pay you the same amount for the rest of your life if that's the option that you choose in an immediate annuity. We're talking money, right? Let me put this in. <laughs> yes. Hey, what the heck? That right? would that would be good. That would that would be good. That's, that's a ching would be good if you live to be over 90, 95. You're making out with Social Security too, right? Really, so Social Security is an annuity payment. You're getting the same amount every year unless. There's a, a COLA adjustment, which was good. We, we got one here last year for the uh, Social Security people, right? Or anybody that's been on Social Security got that nice cost of living adjustment. So you have the an immediate annuity, a fixed annuity that'll pay you a fixed rate, and then you have an indexed annuity. Now, the easiest way to remember something about an indexed annuity is that you can't lose money when the market goes down. They can be tied to one index. I like things simple. We try to keep this pretty simple here. Uh, you have one index. The S&P 500 is the standard index in most index annuities. So you have one index. As an example, you can go into an index annuity. You know you can't lose your money. Uh, zero is your hero. And so... You, but you're giving up something, right? There's always a trade-off. So the insurance company protects you on the downside, but on the upside, you don't have unlimited upside potential. Like if the S&P 500 goes up 25%, you're not going to get that. Um, with the one company that I've looked at recently, they have really good renewal rates. They've never re renewed. They, you start it, they tell you that your cap is 10%. Meaning that it's pretty good. I mean, if you get, you put your money into an index annuity and the S&P 500 goes up 12%, then you can get 10% and it locks it in every year. So if you put 100,000 in, it is going to go up to 110,000. So that's a good oh, trade-off yeah, that locks it in at 110. But uh, you want to make sure if you go into an index annuity that the insurance company has really good renewal rates. In some circumstances, I've seen, for as an example, that 10% in the third or fourth year of the contract, they'll lower the cap, which is not good. You want that cap to stay at 10% through the term of the contract. So now these do have... Within any annuity, usually you have a 10% withdrawal that you that you can withdraw within any year. So you don't want to typically withdraw more than 10% out of any indexed annuity or they're going to penalize you before surrender. So you got to look at your surrender charges. Uh, that's another trade-off of going into something like this, right? So they have caps and they do have surrender charges, but usually people, they're not going to be in retirement. They're not going to be taking out more than 10% or their retirement would blow up anyway mm -hmm. so an index annuity can work as a guardrail for somebody in retirement so and it also can help meet those essential expenses which is the robert jeffrey said the the true definition of risk is not being able to meet essential expenses and that's what you, you we want to have as a baseline for people in their retirement plan make sure that those Essential payments are covered with something that's guaranteed, guaranteed income. Very good. Uh, our number is 281-558-5738, 281-558-KSEV. You're listening to your finances with Kevin Sevalikulis. You have, just keep going. I bet you've got so much <laughs> knowledge. This needs to be more than an hour long. Yeah. Well, and I haven't even talked about the whole, the whole annuity spectrum. So, the annuities that we've talked about so far, they're, they're regulated by the state. And then if you, if you, the state that you live in. So if you go into a variable annuity, you are, the, the insurance company and the financial advisor are regulated by both the state 
and FINRA, which is the organization <clears throat> that regulates uh, anybody who's Series 7 licensed or Series 6 licensed. So the, the, the people, financial advisors that can invest people in mutual funds, because technically in a variable annuity, they call it a variable annuity because it varies. Uh, the performance can go up and down. And it's based on the technical word that they use for it is subaccounts. And these subaccounts, they're just like mutual funds. And they, uh, you, it's like a mutual fund. You can choose your mutual fund inside of the variable annuity. And with the variable annuity, the one thing that most of them have to have is something called a death benefit. And it's usually whenever anybody goes into a variable annuity, <clears throat> say they put 100000 in and they put it all in mutual funds, yeah. and those mutual funds went down, say, to 70000 They chose poorly or just got in a bad year of the market, and they die within the year their beneficiary that they listed on that variable annuity would get the full 100000 So it would be a premium. They, give the pre they call it a premium. Their insurance companies call it a premium, and a financial advisor calls it a premium. That's the amount of money that you put into an annuity. So whenever somebody puts an annuity, 100000 in, if, they, if the variable annuity, if it goes down, the insurance company, even though the value of it at the date of their death is 70000 they will pay the beneficiary 100000 mm. So well, that's, that's a good deal. That's a, yeah, that's a good deal. But, you know, everything in investing has a trade-off. You're paying an expense ratio on that. So. Well, you're talking about what is risk, what is higher risk. I mean, it, that's the way it is. Yeah. Nobody knows. And you said it. Everybody knows. No one knows the future. If we yeah. did, we'd all be rich. That's right. And that's why people should expect a higher return whenever they take on more risk. Right. And that's that's the whole point. Right. You don't know. You don't know the future. It's not guaranteed whenever you go into stocks or stock mutual funds. There are investments, though, that you can have that are guaranteed, like an indexed annuity that's not guaranteed on the downside, but you still don't know what potential return that you have in an indexed annuity because it's tied to an index. You can go into a fixed annuity, and you can know exactly what you'll get over, as a return over the years. And, you know, some of them pay 4 or 5%. And there, there are also another cool thing about annuities – is that if you have a lot of money that is, if you're in a savings account, say, or stock mutual funds for that matter, and you're getting a 1099 on those every year, it's not, it's not good to be taxed on something every year if you're not using it. So, there, again, this is something that the IRS has allowed in the form of an annuity with insurance companies. You can move those monies into an annuity, and you defer the taxes. So it would be an after-tax contribution that you make into the technical term for this is called a non-qualified deferred annuity, right? That's a lot. But essentially, just think of it if, if you had money in your savings account or if you have mutual funds and you don't like to get the 1099 every year. You can move it into an annuity that's in a non-qualified, meaning it's not in a, a retirement account. That money will go tax-deferred. And so, as Einstein said, the most powerful entity in the universe is the power of compounding. And money compounds faster when it is in a tax-deferred account. So, you would rather have your money, instead of being in 10 mutual funds over 30 years in your working years, you would rather that not be in a taxable account over that 30 years. You would want that to be in a tax-deferred account because you're not having to pay capital gains and dividend income tax on those mutual funds. It's deferred. So you only get taxed when that money comes out. You're only taxed on the growth whenever that money comes out. And we talked about penalties, too. You can get a penalty whenever that – if you take that money out before age 59 and a half, the IRS will penalize you. Early withdrawal. Huh? Yeah, early withdrawal penalty. And that's the same with most employer retirement accounts, too, or an IRA. 
If you take money out before the key age of 59 and a half, look out. That 10% penalty is there, and it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt you. Not only are you going to have to pay income tax, but you're, you're going to have to pay that 10% penalty. Okay, so Security has moved up, you know, they're going to get up to 75 eventually. Will they move from 59 and a half, or are they going to stay? Well, you can only take out Social Security at age 62, right? That's the earliest that you can take it out, and you can defer it till the age of 70, right? Okay. And you can continue to get... Once you turn 70, doesn't matter if you're working or not, right? You can get that, uh, that money, the, uh, the Social Security Administration, which is a good thing. They should send people at 70 or older. They give the money to the people, and it doesn't increase after that. But if you defer it, meaning your full retirement age is somewhere around 66 or 67, and you don't take the payment out, you will get money, more money later if you defer taking your Social Security benefit until the age of 70. Well, that sounds good to me. Uh, you're listening to Your Finances with Kevin Severn. We're going to take a break. Oh, Rocky Top, you'll always be home sweet home for me. Good old Rocky Top, Rocky Top, Tennessee. There are three things you need to know when choosing a financial advisor. Number one, experience. Number two, credentials. And number three, judgment ability. I have over 27 years experience in the industry. I am a chartered retirement planning counselor, CRPC, and an MBA. Although past performance doesn't guarantee future results, we can show you that we've delivered results that double the S&P 500. Don't hesitate, call us at 877-KEVIN-7 or visit us on our website, K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7.com. Catch Chris X Radio weekdays at 4, right here on AM 700 KSEV. After Hunter Biden visited the White House on Friday, an evacuation was ordered when they found cocaine. No joke, they found coke at the White House. Rumor has it that Hunter asked if he left some hookers there as well and was quoted as saying, Dad, have you seen my laptop? Come on, man. What is he doing? Chris X Radio. Weekdays 4 till 6, right here on The Voice of Texas. Phone lines are open now. Call 281-558-5738. That's 281-558-KSEV. John Henry said to his captain, And we are back. To your finances on the Kevin Seven Show. So we got we want to help educate people and help people make help people make good decisions and not make the big mistakes, right? Their tax laws change all the time. We had a new one that just came out last year, the end of last year. It's called the uh, Secure Act 2.0. And boy, this is a mouthful. You, it's so you know what Secure 2.0 Act stands for. <laughs> what setting every community up for retirement enhancement. So they had one that originally came out in 2019, and so the legislature's uh, copying off of the tech industry said, "All right, we're going to come out with Secure Act 2.0 in 2022," and so. That was signed into law, and there were some changes. So there's always something going on. That's why, again, we always recommend that people get a financial advisor because it's very hard to keep track of as an individual what is going on with these tax laws, right? There were One of the main ones is there was a change in RMD. You know what an RMD is? No. RMD stands for Required Minimum Distribution. Oh. Whenever you take money out of a retirement account, the federal government, in a back in the day, is age 70 and a half. And they made everybody who had an IRA account start withdrawing funds because the government's giving people tax-deferred growth up until age 70 and a half, like we spoke. But then they said, well, we need to start receiving some taxation on those dollars. So 
even if people weren't using their money, they said, well, all right, we're going to make you take money out of your retirement account at age 70 and a half. But now, with the Secure Act 2.0, that was raised, which is a good thing. It's so people can, again, grow their money, and it ta- grows from tax-deferred uh, tax deferred longer. So now, in 2023, it jumped. It was originally a 70 and a half. Then the fir- in 2019, it was raised to 72. Now it's uh, 73 in 2023 so you don't have to take an rmd until age 73 and in 2033 the rmd age or the required minimum distribution age when the government makes people take money out of their ira in 2023 that's going to go all the way up to age 75 so again this is usually some people you know they take money out of their accounts their retirement accounts no matter what rmds aren't really an issue for them because they're taking out more than what their rmd the required minimum distribution would be otherwise Uh, but for a lot of people that don't use their retirement account this is a huge advantage because that money can sit in that account and it can grow tax deferred longer Right. Because if you don't have to take the money out at age until age 73, then you're the compounding effect has a couple of more years. So it's advantageous to people and more so the heirs. Usually these accounts, they're they're given to the heirs. Right. For people who've built up nice retirement accounts and they're not using the money anyway, they just want to send it to the heirs. This allows it to compound faster and the money comes out of the IRA at a layer later time so the more money you have in there i would think you the more money you'll get you can take out correct or not yeah that well that's a great question so an rmd once you hit your rmd age and it's usually by april 1st following the year that you turn the rmd age which now is age 73 so you take that money out and there's a formula that we use, and it's actually they put it even on people's statements. The amount of money based on the value of your IRA account the previous year, there's a calculation that we get from the IRS, and then so it will increase over the years the the percentage amount that you have to take out. But it's all usually most uh, financial advisors have this calculation and it's it's done automatically or they automatically notify via uh, an IRA statement how much it is that somebody needs to withdraw. Hey, time is gone. Got 20 seconds. You want to say anything? Yeah, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. And please listen to us again. Next Sunday on KSEV 700 AM, we're always here Sunday at 1. Feel free to call us anytime with your questions. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Thanks for listening to Your Finances with Kevin Seven. If you have a question for Kevin during the week, you can give him a call at 877-KEVIN-7. Or you can email him at K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7com And tune in again next Sunday at 1 o'clock for your finances with Kevin Seven, right here on KSEV. Kevin Coogley is a registered representative with securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.